16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Okay? I am not ashamed of the gospel. I believe that. That is a life message for me. Uh, I, I love to evangelize. Uh, I was thinking with Jeannie and I, we, we've gone in malls and preached the cross to uh, <laughs> we were a couple of days. chapter 4, verse 40, if you will, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. Now, this is when Jesus is in Simon's house, who would become Peter, Simon's mother-in-law's house. Had any were sick with various diseases brought them. Could you turn this down just a little bit, please? Uh, And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. He laid his hands on every one of them and 
offered Jesus that these in greater works shall do. Our model is Jesus Christ. Okay, our identity is in Jesus Christ. Our we are complete in Jesus Christ. Colossians, Colossians two. We have been made complete. We've been perfected in Jesus Christ, and He healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. They wanted to keep him there because he was healing everybody that came. And he said, But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. This purpose I've been saying. I went ahead and just Googled and I looked through the Gospels over the last few months, all the reasons Jesus came, all the I came, all the I came verses. I came for this, this, this. And he came for sin. About half of them I came to save the world from sin. I came to redeem mankind, which from the, we know from the foundations of the world. But he also he also came that we live life and live it more abundantly, that he came to reveal Number one, he came to reveal the Father. He said, I only do what the Father tells me to do, and I only say what the Father tells me to say. Jesus came. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son. So Jesus came. So right here, we're going to keep going the kingdom of God. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, that hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Watch out in the deep and let down your nets for a catch. We all know this story. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, in your word, we will let down the net. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Their net was breaking, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, okay, so they had just got hauled in the largest amount of fish they've ever caught. That would be akin to us, maybe winning the lottery, possibly. Anyway, you see where I'm headed with this? Okay. okay. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Okay. So the goodness of God, the abundance of God, brought Simon Peter to his knees. The goodness of God, the abundance of God, Jesus also called out Simon's identity right then. He said, you're not a fisherman anymore. You will not catch fish anymore. You're going to catch men. He dropped everything and followed him. Turn with me now to Luke 19. We're going to go through another story that you know from Sunday school. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. He's walking through Jericho down the road, and now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought... Uh, he sought to see Jesus, who was, who, he sought to see who Jesus was, I'm sorry, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, 
Zacchaeus make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. How many know that Zacchaeus as a tax collector was chief among sinners, that everybody there wanted to eat with Jesus? Okay? Everybody wanted to eat with Jesus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, the lowest of the low of the low. He would have been a Jew, and he, he would have been Jewish, and he would have, his job by the Romans would have been to collect taxes and usury from the Jews, but they would always collect more so that he could get rich because the Romans their share and keep much more than he was supposed to keep. So, Jesus, so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully, Zacchaeus did, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is also a son of Abraham, for the son of man, he was Jewish. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So the goodness of God, by honoring Zacchaeus, chief among sinners, Jesus honors a tax collector and he repents. Okay, turn with me to James, one twenty-two. I'm not chasing that. ten words for it, but the main words in Strong's is 4163. It's pronounced poietasi. I have to you know I have to do this. And you know what it means to be a doer of the word? To be a performing poet. I didn't make it up. You can go to Strong's and look to the concordance. So James is saying, but be performing poets of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You're saying, what in the world does that mean? Okay. Well, they would have known what it meant. In that culture, they would have known exactly what it meant because what would happen is the king would be isolated in his palace, and he would have he would have plants from the kingdom, and he would have tr- shrubs and trees and different things that would that would represent his kingdom. Okay, different things that represented his kingdom, and the poets that were in the palace that would entertain the king would take the kingdom and take it out into the streets and perform it. Okay. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. I didn't. I didn't make it up. That's what doers means. Poetasy. Strong as forty-one sixty-three. Just go to Strong's. In that context. So, what James was telling everybody is, take the kingdom. Take the kingdom. Take the things of the king, and take them to the streets. I know we're not supposed to have a spirit of performance, especially if you come out of a worship background. That's just something that can happen, and I agree with that. But take the things from the kingdom and take them to the streets 
and show the people. Okay? Go into all the nations and make disciples of all men. Okay? Not sit on pews. And even though we come corporately, and there's going to be a move in this place. I've seen it. It's happening. It's building. And it's going to continue to build. But what I want to challenge everybody tonight is to be doers of the word that the poets would take the things of the palace or king and the kingdom to the people so that they could experience it. Okay? It, couldn't, it just didn't stay in the king's palace with the poets and the staff, if you will, or the church. They took it out into the streets where nobody would ever get into the palace. Ever. So that they could experience the kingdom. What kingdom do we come from? What kingdom are we supposed to take out there for others to experience? The kingdom of God, of course. Jesus said, I, you know, I've come to preach the kingdom of God. The kingdom of go out when he sent them out, when he sent, the, sent them out two by two, and then he sent them out 70. He said, go out, tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, just like he healed everyone. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. He didn't even say preach. He just said go out and do it. And, and I love preaching. Preaching, we, we have to, Jesus taught. You know, Jesus taught a lot. He was teaching in the boat before he did the nets. Jesus taught. Usually when he taught, signs, it says, the word of God says, signs and wonders follow the word. Okay, so we're just so, you're, st- you're tracking with me here. I'm not trying to get anywhere away from that. So, Knowing who you're called to is really important. Jeannie and I have been called to drug addicts, prostitutes, alcoholics for years. And we've seen God move in powerful ways when we minister to those people groups. When we minister to those people groups, we see God move in a powerful way. So I encourage everybody to find out who you're called to minister to. Really important. The Lord showed me that soon. So, being a doer of the word, turn with me to John chapter 4, if you will, the book of John. Another story we know really well. I am not chasing any rabbits. Boy, it would have been easy to do it with this. Because he said, leave for peace. And if your peace doesn't stay, then take it. And that's a whole other sermon. Anyway, no no rabbits tonight. Turn to John 4, if you will. And we are going to start. Let's just start at verse 4. And you know, this is the story of the woman at the well. Okay, if you don't know, it's Samaritans were half Jewish, half not Jewish. They were outcasts. They were not allowed the temple rituals. They were, I don't know, they would be, by, uh, by our standards, I don't know what they would be. But they were not, they were not a clean people. Jews did not associate with Samaritans, okay? So we know the story of the Good Samaritan, why that was... Well, that became a big deal. So here it says, but so, but he needed, Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Okay? They were actually headed to, I forget where they were headed to, but he didn't need to go through Samaria, but he did. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city for food. Okay. Then the woman of Samaria 
said to him, How is it you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to her, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? She's getting a little bit spunky with him. And he says, so Jesus says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again in the well, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. Okay? I think I was talking to, I think it was Mike I was talking to the other night. The Dead Sea, it's called the Dead Sea because water comes in, but it doesn't go out. Okay? The Dead Sea. Water comes in. in, rivers of water go out. No outlet. We got dead seas. We don't want to be dead seas. I don't want to be a dead sea. I want to be a world changer. I want my kids to be world changers. I want to take the kingdom of God out there and let people experience it. And and, and have been for some time. And I don't want not to talk about really too much of that. But so Jesus says to her, she, go, Jesus says, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And the one whom you have now is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. Now, we all know this story. The woman said to him, I'm going to give you a little different perspective on it. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She's starting to realize that she is speaking to somebody prophetic here, at least. Because he guessed how many husbands she had never met her. He didn't guess. He knew how many husbands she had. Jesus said, I only do what the Father says. I only say, I only say what the Father tells me to say. I only do what the Father tells me to do. The woman said to him, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you do say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming, actually, and is now, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came. She goes off. She tells the town, I just met a man who told me everything about myself. Everything about myself. What if we had a woman come in this congregation who had been married five times, was living with a man, or a man that had been married five times, living with a woman, say that she would be the first evangelist in the Bible, the first revivalist in the New Testament, that that woman would become. And you know why she became that? Because she ran into a prophet. She ran into a prophet that looked at her the way God looks at us, okay? God looks for the gold. So we're also, this message is going a couple of places. Peter, 
abundance of fish. He's rich. What does he do? He falls on his knees, and Jesus calls out his destiny. You'll be a fisher of men from now on. Okay? Zacchaeus, chief of sinners, climbs a tree. Jesus says, I'm eating with you, Zacchaeus. I'm honoring you, Zacchaeus. I'm going to honor you. Zacchaeus comes down. He repents and says, I'll give away up to half of everything I've ever stolen. Right now. Right here and right now. Now, the woman at the well, as a doer of the word, meets her. With the father telling him what it is. He's called prophecy. Prophecy has been so abused. And if anybody knows me in this church, they know I like the prophetic. I have eagerly desired a prophecy to prophesy. First Corinthians 14.1, desire spiritual. Desire love, pursue spiritual gifts, but eagerly desire to prophesy. I have prayed into that for 20 years. Every day. I've prayed into words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and that the Father would allow me to walk in that in the marketplace for three or four years. Prayers get answered. Do you believe prayers get answered? So, Paul said, you know, eagerly desire to prophesy. So, here she is. She says, I met a man who told me everything I knew about myself. He called the gold out of her. Do you know how much dirt you have to move? Have you ever seen a mining operation? Okay. You know how much dirt you have to move to uh, get to a little bit of gold? And then you have to wash it, you have to pan it. you got to go through a lot of dirt. I'm afraid we're not really willing to go through enough dirt to get to the golden folks. And if we were really hearing from the Father, he'd, he'd put us right on the gold. And people would be changed immediately. So that, my challenge is... Those type of things. First Corinthians 14, 14, you don't even have to turn there out. Uh, 14, 24, and 25. I'll just read it really quick. Therefore, if the whole church comes together, together, I'll start at 23, comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and and report that God is truly among you. We've all read that scripture. The prophetic is not about, it can be about foretelling. It can be about future events, and it will be, and it has been. It's really more about Paul calls it exhortation, encouragement, and comfort. New Testament prophetic. To encourage, exhort, and comfort the body of Christ is to call out who people are. The prophetic is designed to call out who people are. It's been terribly abused over the last 20 years. I get that. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to give up this because somebody has abused it. Okay? And this, has been abused by, this has been abused as long as I've been in the church in one way or another. But I still, Leonard Ravenhill said, give me a man that knows, give me a man that's illiterate, but just literate enough to read the Bible and believe every word in it, and he'll change the entire world. If you don't know who Leonard Ravenhill is, he was an evangelist from Britain, uh, his son David, minister to Brownsville often. But, so what my challenge is, 
my challenge is that we would stop identifying with the woman at the well. Okay? That we would stop being the sinner saved by grace, even though I was a sinner saved by grace. But we would stop being sinner saved by grace, identifying with the woman at the well, and that we would become, where's our identity? Where's our identity found all through this, all through the epistles? Found in Christ. In Christ, in Christ alone. Uh, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Colossians 2, 8, and 9. Philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete. Aethan and I had a conversation. She struggles sometimes with wondering about her authority and power in Christ. I said, Aethan, it says that you're complete in Christ. Can you add to complete? No. Can you improve on complete? No. Is there anything you can do to make complete better? stop identifying as sinners saved by grace and the woman at the well and start identifying with Jesus, a doer of the word, hearing from the Father, taking prophetic prophecy, calling out the golden destiny in people outside the church, no matter who they are, then we will see things happen. I was going to give a testimony, Pastor, but I probably don't have time, so we maybe we'll do... Uh, my wife, my wife said I could give this testimony. Um, I don't like to talk about myself. I have been praying that God would use me to represent him in this way for a long time. So I'm going to make it really short. We moved in July. We were getting rid of a lot of stuff. So I had made three trips to the thrift store. My third trip to the thrift store, a man pulls up with a truckload of stuff. He, he empties his truck. He's got a big chest of drawers. So I said, okay, um, can I give you a hand? Sure. I, I help him. It's not really worth saving, but as soon as I help him, I'm asking every morning, Lord, I, I have a lot of, kind of a standard way I pray in the morning. I pray for people. I pray for everything on, on our bulletins. We pray for healing. This church is seeing healings. It's Mitzi walked to the altar. We're seeing Connor heal. We're seeing, we saw Miss Reddy heal. Patsy, I, the Lord told me about uh, two months ago to walk over here pray for Miss Reddy. Well, I didn't need a word of knowledge to know she had a bad back. I've known Miss Reddy for five or six years from the, the ministry Jeannie and I were at in Tallahassee. When I heard that voice, I said, how could I forget that voice? Anyway, uh, so I walked over, and I was just kind of thinking, okay, how do I pray? Patsy said, pray right there at that spot on her back, Tracy. So I did. She said, I feel the fire of God on me. And jumped up, and she has not had her quad cane. She has not had. She's been healed ever since. Patsy heard from the Father. I didn't even have to have an anointing on me at the time. All I had to do was walk over. I heard from the Father to walk over there. Patsy heard from the Father, said, pray right there. I prayed, and Miss Reddy was healed. Now, that's how it should work. That's one of the ways it can and should work. So anyway, this man comes. He's unloading his stuff. And I hear the Lord say, three daughters, business, and redemption. 
I'm always afraid when I hear that stuff because I know I'm going to have to step out and, and ask somebody if this makes any sense to them. And Pastor talked about that. Are we going to be afraid to do that? I'm going to have to take a risk. If I get a word of knowledge from somebody, I'm going to say, okay. Uh, and they're going to say, well, why, do you, why do you ask me that? And I'm going to say, well, I'm practicing hearing from the Lord. And uh, I, if this makes sense to you, just, you know, let me know if it makes sense to you. And if it does, good. And if it doesn't, then then I ask them to pray. Anyway. If they say, no, that doesn't make zero sense to me, well, can we pray anyway? 90% of them will let you pray. Anyway. But, uh, so, I, I three daughters, business, and redemption. So I said, do you, do you have three daughters? And he said, yes, I do. And he stands back a little bit. And kind of construction worker looking guy. I said, hmm. he said, why do you ask? I said, well, I'm practicing here from the Lord. I feel like the Lord, you know, uh, just told me three daughters, business, and redemption in just that order. So uh, three daughters. And as, as I started moving, as you start moving in this, then he trusts you with more. What's the scripture? To those who have, more will be given. To those who don't, in other words, if you don't use what he gives you, he's going to take it away from you. So those who have, and this is a good example, and I just came to it. wasn't even in my notes. So I said, uh, well, let me ask you this. Is the middle daughter in business with you? And he says, yeah. I put her in business about two years ago, and I'm not going to get specific. He goes to an Assemblies of God church over on, uh, in Mandarin. He'll testify to this. Um, he's probably well, he, he is well known. His wife was well known. I found out later that he was there because he was emptying out her house from an estate sale because she had died, and uh, that's what they were doing. They had three daughters, and so he uh, so I, he said, yeah, but I took her out of business for tax reasons, and I said, well, I think the Lord gave me the word because he wants you to put her back into business, and that her dream of being in business and your dream of being in business need to not be squandered by, not stopped by the enemy. That's got to be the reason that he's given me this word. If that makes sense to you, he said, we've been talking for the last month about putting her back into business. Business is growing. He's starting to get excited. He was so down to crawl when I started talking to him. I said, there was a third part to this. It was called, it was redemption. And I'm making this, it was like an hour-long conversation. I'm making it really short. Redemption, I said, what does that mean? He said, well, after the, during the divorce and after the divorce, I was stuck with a really large uh, child support payment, which I couldn't make. So I was thrown in jail for six weeks. And everybody thought I was a deputy dad, and on and on. And if the identity of this man is ringing the bell, then just keep it to yourself. But, and he said, it wasn't until she died that I was, that everybody knew that I was the right one. I had been taking care of the kids the whole time. She was just after the money. In, in, in the story, he said, I walked in here. I've been going to church over at such and such assembly of God for years. My whole church family turned their back on me. I've never been able to get back in a fellowship. I came in here as low as I've been in, in a long time. And I'm leaving now with more hope than I've ever had and belief in the Holy Spirit than I've had in a long time. So God used me to do that. And he actually uses me to do that quite often. It's called a word of knowledge. And it's for healing. I mean, Bobby, I asked Bobby, I called Bobby the other day, and I said, did, did Francis McNutt walk in a powerful word of knowledge? He said, absolutely. William Branham, just go, just study revival history, or the book of generals. The word of knowledge is one of the most powerful evangelism tools you 
cross, yes. But first, when they see God is real, and he knows them, even though they don't believe he knows them, right? But when you tell them something that you don't know, there's no way you could know, but they know only God could know it, then what does it say in 1 Corinthians 14, 23 through 25? Only God could know. They fall on their face. They're convinced. It said convinced first. Convinced. They become convinced, then convicted. First, they become convinced that God is real. God knows them because there's only one way that they could that could could have come out of a stranger's mouth is if it came from God. And then we get to evangelize, and then we bring them into church, and they get to get taught and raised up as disciples. So we may not have any ministry time. pastor was talking about Elijah, Elisha, striking the water, not knowing what would happen. You know, he told them not, he told the sons of the prophets, don't go look, I know what's happening. They went and looked anyway. He had to take the risk of striking that water. If it hadn't divided, if, it, if the cloak had just got wet, he'd had a wet towel. But instead, he became the prophet of Israel. So, and, and, I, and I told Pastor, we have a kind of a little saying around our house, you have to step over the chicken line, and that when you hear from a God, that there's this line that you have to step over. And I had to say, you have three dollars. And I'll run out and say, are you a drummer? You have a problem with your right knee. Are you this, are you that? And you have to be ready for it. Are you crazy? <laughs> you have to be ready for that. But you can always get out of it because you can say, yeah, I'm pretty crazy, but I'm just a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm practicing here from God. So, so hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But, hey, can, is there anything we can pray about? If I'm in a business, can we? how about I pray for your business to succeed? I've never met one business owner alive that would not let me pray for his business to succeed, even if my word of knowledge was so far off from the truth that it didn't make any sense whatsoever. You're going to pray for my business to succeed? Yes. Come in here. And we become friends. And then when I go back. So I'm going to close with that, that we would be doers of the word, performing poets, 